Earn and redeem reward points when you order McDelivery via the My Maccas app. Value means more at Maccas. Welcome to the Maccas Run. Ah, uh, yes indeed. A very good evening to you and welcome to the Maccas Run for this Tuesday evening. I hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can. However, you've been putting it in wherever you've been putting it in. It's wonderful to have your company now. Sam Hargraves with you. And you can always give me a call, one 736 736 to have your say on the news of the day on the Harcourts open line for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts, your move, your Harcourts for all things sport. Have a chat to me, the Macca's Run, where we catch you up on the biggest news stories and biggest discussion points of the day. The Quarter Pounder, a classic for a reason. You can text in 0433981116. The all-new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever, is here. Temper a mattress like no other. Plenty to get through, but there is breaking news just coming to hand as we come to air to you this evening. Um, England squad for the Ashes, upcoming Ashes, uh, the first test, which you'll hear live and exclusive on Australian radio through SEN on the 16th of June. Uh, England squad uh, has been named, and the biggest story of that squad is that Joffre Archer has been ruled out of the England team uh, through injury. Uh, that'll be discussed in great detail, I'd imagine, on the road to the Ashes tomorrow, 10pm, Simon O'Donnell, Steve Harmison. The England uh, squad is Ben Stokes, James Anderson, Johnny Bairstow, Stuart Broad, Harry Brook, Zach Crawley, Ben Duckett, Dan Lawrence, Jack Leach, Ollie Pope, Matthew Potts, Ollie Robinson, Joe Root, Chris Wokes and Mark Wood. That is the England squad for this uh, highly, highly anticipated Ashes that's coming up in June. Uh, one Let's get you up to speed on what's been making news today. We'll start with Carlton, ninth on the ladder at the moment. Four wins from their nine games uh, this year. Um, just having a look at the ladder to make sure that was right. Yeah, four wins um, from their nine games. Uh, the draw as well. Uh, Patrick Cripps fronted media today, and that's been called for by a few to say when the club's under this much pressure, it's the captain and the coach that need to step up and discuss the ple- the pressure that is on the club. And Paddy Cripps did exactly that today and spoke about the pressure on the playing group. Talk about pressure. We preset the highest expectation on ourselves, and we do listen externally. So um, we feel it, um, yeah, just as much as anyone. But, um, yeah, I, uh, as leaders, uh, we know the next month's really important for us, and, and we're going to stand up and play some really good footy, so, um, you know, as much as we do, the talk and our performances will dictate um, what everyone says, so um, we get another chance to do that Sunday against the, the best team in the comp at the moment. Oh, it's always disappointing after a loss, um, you know, you never come out of a loss up and about, but, um, yeah, it's an interesting one, we feel like we're, we're close to playing some really good footy, and even on the weekend we feel like, um, especially in the second half, we played some really good footy, the first half, we still feel like we had the, the game there, we just didn't quite execute, so... We feel like there's a lot of um, growth coming in our games. We're not quite getting the results yet, but um, you know it's really important right now that it is a long year and um, we stay bullish and determined to keep getting better. That's what the game's telling us. So, um, yeah, we're not coming in here with our head sort of held down. We're coming in, sort of head up and um, look at each other and keep getting better. So um, that's the way forward. Paddy Cripps, Carlton captain, also weighed in on the finals discussion. If you remember, Brian Cook, the CEO, said it wouldn't be the end of the world. Adam Scherer echoed... That sentiment, but Brad Lloyd has said no, we're here to play finals, and Paddy Cripps weighed in today as well. I think after games, when you lose, there's always that, uh, I suppose you grieve like any other fan, any other supporter, family, um, but um, once that sort of initial thing wears off, you get back to what you can control right now, and um, looking that far ahead doesn't actually help us right now. Um, and I know everyone wants to look that far ahead, but it actually doesn't. Like we, 
it's like what I said before, we've got to come in, um, look at each other, and oh, I keep getting better, and um, you just got to keep trusting the process. I know it's cliche, but it's true. Like it's, um, if we get this right now, that will help us get to our end goal. And, um, you know, that is our end goal. We, we want to um, have a say in finals and we want to play finals, and that's what everyone um, wants, to, wants to play for. So, um, still really bullish on, on our goal, but um, it comes back to the week to week stuff. A little bit both ways from Paddy Cripps. Uh, have your say on that, Carlton fans. one 736 736 Harcourt open line. Your move, your Harcourts. The, their goal kicking has been well discussed. And uh, the snapping. We saw a few examples of some really poorly executed snaps uh, in the loss on the weekend of the Western Bulldogs. Paddy Cripps was one of those. Uh, he spoke about the snapping for goal. Everyone practices their own technique from different parts in the field, and um, I do a lot of work on it at different points. What what I'd kick, and um, if I had that shot again, I'd take the exact same kick. So just didn't execute it. But um, whatever you do, um, you know, everyone the snaps always highlighted for people because um, you know they do miss. It's yeah, it's um, people talk about it because um, the old tradition of the drop hunt. But um, I don't care what people do as long as they practice what they execute on game day and, and they back themselves in. So um, you, you see guys all around the all around the competition. Some guys like snapping from different spots, others like drop punts. It's whatever you feel comfortable with. I, I can't speak for Harry, but um, I think if you look over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, um, his snap percentage has been really high and that's been a really uh, successful kick for him. So he puts as much work in as anyone. And, um, you know, I'm sure he'd be as frustrated as anyone with, um, you know, some of his execution at the moment, but I'm going to keep backing him in. So addressing uh, not only the team's penchant for snapping, but also uh, Harry Mackay's as well, um, Carlton's goal-kicking accuracy is 14th in the competition. They kick for goal at 45.9%. There is only five teams in the AFL that kick above 50%. There's a lot that we highlight at the moment. Do we highlight goal-kicking enough? Melbourne, Geelong, Brisbane, Fremantle and Essendon are the only five teams. In fact, Essendon are below. So there are four teams currently kicking at over 50%. Melbourne's are the best at 58.2. Geelong, 54.5. Brisbane, 52.2. And Fremantle, 51.1. Melbourne, uh, Essendon, just below 50%. Uh, Collingwood as well. That is a dire, diabolical stat line for the whole competition. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Dave's given us a call from Australia. G'day, Dave. How you going? It's, um, yeah, it's Dave here. I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to say that I'm surprised no one's talking about the Bulldogs. I think they've been doing really well. They've lost um, or traded out Dunkley, Hunter. They lost the first two games of the season under massive pressure and then now are really playing well. And uh, all I've really heard is how bad Carlton are going and then also that uh, if Adelaide beat the Bulldogs this weekend, that, that's an upset. But I'm hearing Adelaide are playing great as well. So I'd just like to hear something positive, please, about the doggies. Um, well, I think you've just done that for us, Dave, and I appreciate you doing so. Yeah, you've won your last four in a row, uh, and there's a couple of good wins in and amongst that. I, I think because what what people are doing is maybe just holding back on, on the Bulldogs because we've had expectations on them the last couple of years. You look at the list, yep, you've lost Dunkley, but you've added pieces that you thought were going to make you better. It didn't start out that way, but I wasn't too worried when it didn't because I think when you do change up uh, in the manner that they did, it's going to take some time to gel. It looks like it's starting to gel. Marcus Bontempelli's having a Brownlow caliber season. So there's plenty discussed about his form. I think for a lot of people, it's just a wait and see on the Bulldogs. 
And if and if we get to finals and they've lived up to the expectation of being close to a top four side, then I think you'll find that people will talk about them a lot more, Dave. Yeah, thanks for that. I, I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you calling in. one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourts open line. You'll move your Harcourts. Uh, on the other side of the break, Tassie's been a big conversation point today uh, as well after protests uh, on the weekend. A lot of the goodwill being really sucked out and a lot of the jam being sucked right out of the donut that has been uh, the feel-good story of the year, Tassie being awarded the 19th licence. We'll dig into that and who said what in regards to it on the other side of the break. First, a Greyhound Racing update. It's time now to check out what's happening in the world of Greyhound Racing and joining me is Trent Langscale from GRV. Hello, Trent. Hello to you, JD. It's great to have a chat, especially with the star power in action at Sandown Park on Thursday night. Yeah, the Premier Racing tagline is appropriate considering the field of the Group 1 finals. JD, the lineup for the $100,000 to the winner Sportsbet Sapphire Crown final features three of the highest profile greyhounds currently racing. The dual Phoenix champion, Wow She's Fast, is the $3.50 favourite to claim back-to-back Sapphire Crowns and her fourth Group 1 victory. The Country Cup's queen, Kelsey Bale, is the $3.70 second elect as she attempts to win her sixth group race. Baby JC, a three-time Group 1 runner-up, is a $3.90 chance to finally break through at the top level. The promising Magic Muffin is a $4.40 hope to prevail for the eighth time at start 18. What a race. Yeah, the Sapphire Crown final race. Final is race eight on Thursday night as well, Trent, and the race before that is packed with plenty of quality. That's right, JD. A first prize of $100,000 is up for grabs in the Group 1 Sportsbet Harrison Dawson final. Despite finishing second in his heat, Group 1 winner Amron Boy heads the market at $2.60. Trooper Tears, victorious in his last five races, including the Group 3 launching pad final and his heat over Amron Boy, is on the second line of betting at $3.90. Dundee Smokey, the fastest of the four heat winners, is a $6 chance. While fellow first-time group finalist Fred Rose is a $6.50 hope. Trappeteers, the litter brother of Troopeteers, is $8. While Group 3 winner Stealth is $8.50. Along with the two Group 1 finals, there's also four heats of the Group 1 Sportsbet Sandown Cup, which will be highlighted tomorrow night. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Trent, and providing us with the latest Greyhound Racing news. Earn and redeem reward points when you order McDelivery via the MyMackers app. Value means more at Maccas. The Maccas Run. The Maccas Run. Live on your home of sport, SEM. If you want an AFL team, it comes with a stadium. Now, the people had their views about that, but it's now funded. It's been funded by state government, in part, which is what people are talking about. There's $360 million going down there from the Australian Football League. There's $305 million come from the federal government. And it is something that comes together. You can't have one without the other. And it's actually now a moment that will actually change Tasmania. And the people who are not convinced of that, again, I'll refer you to Adelaide Oval in South Australia. I'll refer you to Optus Stadium in Perth. So it's easy to oppose things. It's easy to point to alternate uses of, of capital. But actually, the business case around this, about actually tourism, construction, economic impact, Pride. There is a demonstrated business case, and this the business case for this for Tasmanians with significant funding coming externally. I think significant. Is there a scenario where the AFL would consider pulling out? 
we're not pulling out. We've already the decisions made. It's for ta- this is Tasmanian. This is a Tasmanian um, political issue that's playing out, and I'm not going to comment on Tasmanian politics. That's not my not my not my role. Gil McLaughlin, still the CEO of the AFL, very, very strong. Um, and talking about the business case, it is there and established for what this, and it's not just a stadium. I, I, I find that um, disingenuous and misleading when people keep saying, oh, for just a stadium. It is so much more than that. There is so much more happening here than just a stadium. And the stadium itself is so much more than that. It is an entertainment and sports precinct. Um there is so much more at play, but he was very clear on the fact that, hey, they've got the case study and they've got the evidence to show that this it, this is the only way it can be done. And I'd be curious to know where the evidence to the contrary uh, is. After protests on the weekend, uh, saying that the money should be going to the homeless and housing uh, situation that's unfolding in Tasmania, and those are very serious and important issues. But to tie them up with this to say that they can't get fixed because of this, I think is disingenuous as well. Um, Alex Johnson, who's the news editor at Win News, spoke to Jared Waitley today about the situation that's unfolding after uh, Rebecca White, the, the Labor leader, said that they would try and uh, scupper this deal if they're to win uh, at the next election. This is what Alex Johnson had to say after the protest and after that news today with Jared Waitley. Well, I've been in and working in and around Tassie politics for about 20 years, and um, it's the most febrile I've ever felt it. And um, as you just read out, the Premier's trying to get on the front foot with those tweets, but the events of last Friday with his uh, two backbenchers moving to the crossbench and plunging him into minority has really put him on the back foot. And uh, it is an absolute mess down here, politics at the moment. There's been a lot of Uh, politicians with platforms who have uh, been vocal against it. Jackie Lambie at a federal level, the local member, Andrew Wilkie, is dead against the stadium. Um, The state opposition is obviously against the stadium, the Greens. What threat is there to to the stadium plan, do you think? Yeah, well, it's a real threat. I mean, uh, I don't want to be too pessimistic about it because I was as excited as anyone about the prospect of... um, Uh, getting a team. I I sometimes fill in on a Friday morning on SEM with uh, Flash Lithgow and, you know, we dream about what it would be like to walk to the footy on a Friday night after work. But the threat is real because the opposition, you know, whether you like it or not, they've been very uh, solid in their opposition to it. They don't see it as a priority. And they've said this morning, and that's what the Premier was alluding to in the tweets, Rebecca White said that they will campaign against a stadium. And and now, because we're in hung parliament mode, uh, minority government mode, I should say, um, there could be an election before the end of the year. So that, that sort of referendum on the stadium could be sooner rather than later. Alex Johnson, news editor at Wind News. So the tweets from Jeremy Rockcliffe were, and he said, really sad to hear confirmation this morning that the opposition would bin our AFL team if given the chance. That means $130 million for York Park, gone. Thousands of jobs, gone. Housing for our health workers gone, which that stadium precinct would have, and for veterans as well. $360 million for local football gone. And that $360 million is going to things like um, 70 new ovals across the state, funding football academies in Hobart, Launceston and Penguin. Um, elite pathway systems, grassroots footy is going to be the benefactor of the AFL money that is coming as well. Jeremy Rockcliffe also went on to say extra funding for health, housing and education gone that comes with this, these projects. 
We live in the best place on the planet, but we keep, we need to keep building things that generate wealth for the state. Only then can we continue investing record amounts back into our essential services. So he's saying that this is an investment to create the wealth that you're going to need to do the things that you're saying you want to do with this money. Instead, there is a way to do it all. Uh, and this is it. He says, I'll keep fighting for Tasmanians who want to see this dream achieved for them uh, and for future generations. And you could make no mistake about it. This is what Brent Costello had to say, that if this didn't go ahead, if, if the naysayers and those against um, the, the team being set up in this way got their way, Brent Costello said that this is what the result would be. They would die, Kane. I've mm. got no doubt about it. Um, I've said this all along, that this had to happen for footy to... To survive here, we've seen Glenorchy Footy Club on death's door over the off-season, one of our most famous and proud footy clubs. Um, the, the, the participation numbers aren't great at, at junior level. Basketball, uh, as I've mentioned before, has just gone gangbusters here with the jack jumpers. So it has to happen. It just has to happen for footy's sake. Yeah, otherwise, you're going to lose a heartland, that's for sure. So footy would die unequivocally in Brent Costello from Win News' mind if this doesn't get up and you would have no one else to blame in Tasmania if it didn't you would only be who would who would who would have believed that the biggest opposition to Tasmania getting the team that they've always wanted would be Tasmania itself it's really sad to see where this is going um and you look at the benefits of what this precinct would have 4200 jobs in the building of it alone 2.2 billion in economic activity over 25 years it expects that the stadium's going to generate 85 million in economic value, economic activity every year 950 jobs just to sustain it and keep it going once it is built 44 events a year outside sport that would bring in an estimated 123,000 visitors from overseas and interstate for things that are not anything to do with sport Optus stadium's getting Coldplay what are Tasmania getting Who's the next big act going there? No one without a facility like this. It would be incredibly sad if this falls victim to a few small-minded and short-sighted people who have great intentions, I've got no doubt, and want to solve really important key issues. But one doesn't happen without... One can't... The stadium doesn't prevent you from fixing the others. That, that's a furphy. That's a furphy, and that's unfair to pedal that out to the, to the voting people uh, of Tasmania, and it would kill footy. And you're not going to get the AFL games that you've got now with Hawthorne and North. They're not, you won't pay for them. It would be remiss of you and it would be hypocritical of you to say, if, if Labor were to get into power and somehow find a way to scupper the deal, to say, well, no, we weren't going to pay for the team, um, but we're going to still pay to bring Hawthorne and North Melbourne here. You won't do that, and I don't think the AFL would send them. I mean, it would have devastating effects in so many areas, not just about sport, but economically. So hopefully, hopefully this is just a storm in a teacup and not a storm that continues uh, to build. But if you are wavering in your support, just ask to see the case study that says that you can do this without the stadium because it's the case study to say that you can't. Where's the case study to say that you can do it without the stadium precinct? That's what I'd be asking, not to tell people of Tasmania how to, to suck eggs, but that's certainly how I'd be viewing it. You're not going to get the games anymore. The game would die, and there's so many other benefits that would come with it. I've read a few out, and there's a heap more. Um, thanks for the calls. Thanks for the text that we weren't able to get to as well. Massive edition of Off the Tee coming up next with myself and Nick Ahern. It is the second major of the year, the PGA Championship. We're going to talk all about what a great Monday it was yesterday with Jason Day getting that first win since 2015. We'll talk about 
Minji Lee. We'll talk about Cam Smith and we'll give a big preview of what's to come for the PGA Championship. That's all coming up on Off the Tee, which is after this. That's been the Macca's run for the Quarter Pounder. The Quarter Pounder, a classic for a reason. Stick around.